Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Bob Hammond. Welcome aboard to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge and all things interesting to bridge players, brought to you by bridge partners and friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with American champion Bob Hammond about pacing yourself, drawing inferences and the desire to compete. Plus, he shares his top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, partner. How are you? Jocelyn, I'm great. How are you? I'm very excited about today. Yes, yes, <laughs> me too. Go on, tell everybody. Well, we have Bob Hammond as our <laughs> guest yeah. this week. And Bob is just one of these people whose name is thrown out there as the epitome of bridge wisdom. Yes. He's like the guru to everybody. And what Bob says is it's basically, that's it. It's the word. I know. And so many of our guests have just thrown his name in there as the great Bob Hammond. The great Bob Hammond says this. The great Bob Hammond did that. And now we have the great Bob Hammond on our show. I know. It's, it's, it's a treat. And uh, we are very excited. Very excited. And Bob definitely seems to have the whole visualization thing down, Pat. He always knows what's going on. In fact, I read something in the Bridge Bulletin where a player, less experienced, got the opportunity to play with Bob and was asking him how to know which signal to give when. How would Bob know if it was a count signal or an attitude signal or a suit preference signal? Bob said, don't worry, I'll know. 
(laughs) (laughs) It just seems like the guy is just completely in control. He also has a reputation of being an absolute gentleman. And to that end, we had a letter quite recently from somebody who knows Bob. Would you like me to read it to you? Oh, yes, that's perfect. All right, so here we go. It's a short one. It's from Jill. And she says, So the first time I ever played a bridge tournament, 15 years ago, I was with my boyfriend. We sat down at the table and across from us was Bob Hammond and his son. I, of course, had no clue who he was. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of the hand, I thought, you know, Bob, whatever it was you were trying to do, you did it wrong. And so (laughs) I started to tell him how poorly he played the hand and maybe he should have done this or that. She says, my boyfriend was giving me daggers. (laughs) So the boyfriend knew (laughs) that this was Bob. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. At the end of the conversation, Bob said, you know, I think you're right. And he chuckled. We walked away and my boyfriend told me who it was I'd been speaking to. She says, I was so embarrassed. Afterwards, I went up and apologized to him. I told him I was new to the bridge world and I was so, so sorry. He laughed (laughs) and we have been friends ever since. And doesn't that just say it all? Doesn't it just say it all? Such a gentleman. You know, I mean, undoubtedly, Whatever Bob was doing was absolutely correct. (laughs) He probably just had, like, the worst luck on that board. But that is really funny. Yes. So that's a lesson. Like, when you're just starting out and you don't know what's what, maybe don't try to educate the opponents. (laughs) Because you might be educating the great Bob Hammond himself. (laughs) (laughs) Support for Sorry Partner comes from Bridge with Larry Cohen, home of the Bridge Made Simple webinars at www.larryco.com for loads of videos, practice hands, and our favorites, the quizzes. Thanks, Larry. Jocelyn, we've had a couple of letters. Would you like me to read them to you? Of course, Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) Okie dokie. Well, the first letter is from Tom. And this letter tickled me because it relates to a very recent discussion that we've had. So why don't I read it to you and (laughs) you'll see. It's called Local Duplicate Game Story, Defending Against Wrong Contract. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. At a local duplicate game, I played against a very good pair. One guy is a grand life master. The other has about 11,000 master points. I have an obvious lead against opponent's three-no trump. Low from ace-10, five times of spades. Jack Little Little appears in dummy. Partner wins king of spades and returns a spade. I win the ace and clear the suit. And partner plays a heart on that trick partner then plays first to the next trick and I'm baffled until I then realize two things in that moment. One, we were defending a heart contract 
Uh-oh. <laughs> Not lead out of turn, but in fact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oops. And two, there was a reason for why Declara was giving me the side eye. <laughs> when the hand was over, Declara says to me, do you often underlead an ace against a suit contract? Well, in fact, yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> I said, sorry, up until the time my partner roughed, I thought I was defending three no trump. I unknowingly found the only way to beat four hearts and we got top on the board. And then Tom says, I enjoy your podcast. And, and Tom writes to us from Boston. So, Tom, thank you very much. That's, that's very funny and um, quite timely because Jocelyn and I were recently talking about undeleting aces, but we were talking about doing it on purpose <laughs> against a suit contract. <laughs> And not so much against Reno Trump, but anyway, that's that's a great story. Thank you so much for writing in, Jocelyn. I have another letter, and this is actually in direct response to our call out a few weeks ago about the moose. We love the moose. <laughs> this is from Alex in Sydney, and Alex says, "Hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. Thanks again for the podcast. I heard your comment in the Sandra Rinstead episode about a moose hand being a very big hand." I had not heard this one either. I suppose it's because in North America, a moose is the biggest beast you have, or at least that was true when <laughs> bison were almost made extinct about 100 years ago. Bison have made a comeback now. Then he says, sometimes here in Australia, the ace of a suit is also referred to as the beast, which I did not know, but there we are. Also, in Australia, when dummy goes down and you love it, you might say to your partner after the hand that, quote, you had the nuts. Ooh. This is originally a poker term. He says, I looked it up on Wikipedia and he's pasted in the excerpt. A common and certainly apocryphal folk etymology is that the term originated from the historical poker games in the colonial west of America, where if a player bet everything he possessed, he would place the nuts of his wagon wheels on the table to ensure that should he lose, he wouldn't be able to flee and would have to make good on his bet. Since it would be expected that a player would only make such a bet when he had the best possible hand, the folklore says that this is how the best possible hand came to be known as the nuts. The nuts. Yeah. There's also another explanation that it originated from the old English usage of nuts, meaning source of pleasure, presumably because a squirrel gets pleasure out of nuts. Huh. Then he says, cheers from Alex. Thank you, Alex. Well, that's really interesting. I'm still curious if anyone's got any other explanations. Yeah, I can imagine there could be a different explanation for the nut. I don't know if we want to go there, but. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Let's not go there. But I do love, I love this lingo that develops around aspects of the game. I know, I know. Please bring it on because yeah, yeah. we just, we love this and we love we love sharing these fun these fun expressions definitely definitely so if you have a bob hammond story or another fun bridge story please send it in to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on instagram or you can send us a voice message the links are in the show notes and on the website along with some other good stuff so thanks Coming up next, our interview with Bob Hammond.
American champion Bob Hammond was always fascinated with games. He started on board games and social card games like Canasta and Gin Rummy before graduating in high school to high-level competitive chess. His switch to bridge was serendipitous when a college friend called him needing a fourth. The rest, as they say, is history. We began by asking about his early preoccupation with competitive fun. I started playing when I was maybe nine years old. My uh, parents played social cards of various Remy games, etc. And I would sit there and watch and wonder how I could get into the game. And I was fascinated with some board games. Parker Brothers had a game called Camelot, which was a hybrid between uh, checkers and chess. So that's uh, the beginning. And uh, I got very intrigued with chess starting at about age 10 and uh, pursued that fairly seriously for several years. And then one Saturday morning, I received a phone call and one of my chess playing buddies said, do you play bridge? So I was not particularly respectful. And I said, well, it's kind of a wimps game, but I've seen the way you guys play hearts and chess and other games, so I can probably be you at bridge too. (laughs) You've said that the two most important elements of the game are concentration and energy. A hundred percent. Look, you have to have some knowledge, which can be acquired. A little bit of ability here and there doesn't hurt. But if you can't concentrate, if you get distracted, then you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes anyway, but you will make fewer of them if you're thinking about what you're doing. You've talked in the past about how people actually aren't as good at multitasking as they think that they are and that the best way to approach a bridge game is to really limit the number of decisions you need to make for a hand. Well, it's not so much limiting the decisions. It's just pay attention to what you're doing. And that applies to all phases of life. You're not going to be very good at it if you don't focus on the business at hand. And fatigue creeps into the equation. I've seen some really, really good players wait in a tournament and quite often on the last hand go completely off the rails on something that if they reflected on the next day, they'd say, well, did I really do that? And what happens is that if you're tired, you make more mistakes. And it's not a question of multitasking. Nobody multitasks very well. You can't do two things at once, but you can do one thing and switch to another, but that's a distraction. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How do you bring your focus to bear on the hand in front of you? I'm not quite sure what the exact process is, but I try not to think of uh, what I'm going to eat for dinner or <laughs> Any other distraction, I say, okay, if I'd like a cup of coffee, well, should have got it between the last rounds and just get on with the hand. But is this something you've always been able to do? Because like just going back to your points about concentration and energy, how do you harness it? Okay, let's talk about energy. Mm -hmm. Between the sessions, Mm -hmm. I don't go out for dinner. On a rare occasion, if I do go out for dinner, I don't have anything to drink. I usually go back to the room, relax for, take a short nap. When I uh, joined the Aces Bridge team, which was in January of 1969, our first tournament was in Cleveland. And Ira Korn was financing the team, and the players were to meet at his house. He had a converted garage, which had been was served as their office, and they would work on their bridge. And these guys, many of them had never had a job, and uh, they uh, would show up at Ira's house at 9.30 in the morning, and by 11 o'clock, they were exhausted from the bridge work. So they'd immediately adjourn to somebody else's place who had a tennis court and a pool and backgammon sets, and they'd waste the rest of the day. So our team wasn't getting better very fast. So he hired Joe Musumichi as a coach, and Moose was invaluable. He was a pretty good bridge player, and he, he uh, let's say he had a good bullshit filter. So he hands us a memo before the tournament in Cleveland in March of 69. It's all playing personnel. Dinner. No drinks. Get back to your room. After the evening session, maximum of two drinks. Be back in your room with no more than one visitor by 2 a.m. <laughs> so, at any rate, and Moose took charge, and the team started improving. Eric Kokish served the same role with the nickel team, but he was more in uh, what we'll call systems preparation and less on the intangibles. <laughs> okay. Energy conservation. 
energy conservation. In terms of the paying attention, for me at least, and I think for other people possibly as well, there are so many things to be paying attention and thinking about. There is what was bid. There is what is being played and what is not being played and what wasn't bid. And then you have to think about the point count and where the points, where the missing points are and the hand patterns and figuring out the the pattern, the shape of the each of the unseen hands. There is so much to be paying attention to. It's kind of overwhelming. It seems like there has to be a way of triage so that you can focus on what is most relevant in a particular situation and figuring out what the most salient information to be gathered is. Otherwise, it's just so much. Okay. So you have to, uh, the starting point is if you're playing or defending, you have to say, what do I know about the hand? And work from there. And it's not easy. It's a very hard game. The best players make several mistakes a hand. I suppose I've had a perfect hand or two, but most have been claimers. <laughs> I mean, if you've got 13 top tricks, the counting processes, so you've got 17, you can figure out that you've got 13 pretty easily. Yes, those are, those are easier. Okay, so let me give you an example, which isn't all that relevant. So the problem is you've got an ace-queen and left-handed opponent has either been squeezed or not. And you've got a menace card. So they've either blanked a small card or they've blanked the king. So now the question is, who's got the king? So late in the hand, the last several tricks, there really isn't much to go by. But oddly enough, at trick one, there was something to go by. Because if right-hand opponent had the king, they would have had a different problem at trick one when they won their opening late. So now you've got that inference to go by. So you just go back and you put together a few inferences. You're not going to get them all right. But if you start getting a few of them right, one, it feels good, and two, be sure that you just didn't get lucky that there actually was some basis for your decision. In terms of your own game, is there a particular area that you have focused your attention mostly on developing or improving or? At this stage, let's face it, I'm definitely on the back nine. And my uh, basic philosophy is play as long as I can, as well as I can. And as hard as I can, and uh, try to uh, make a few opponents' lives a little more miserable <laughs> and get them to wondering uh, how the hell could I have lost to this bozo? Clearly, you're a genius. Well, I'll admit, I'll admit to it, but there's some evidence to the contrary. <laughs> My question for you is this given your extreme skill and facility for the game. 
How is it that you do not get impatient with players who turn up to your table and effectively don't know what they're doing, which must be just about everybody from your point of view? Well, I will digress to a uh, discussion I had uh, many years ago. So I was having lunch with two expert bridge players, and uh, we were discussing what kind of money bridge game we wanted to play in. And these two guys said, well, I'd really like another good player on the game so that I've got a little bit of an anchor. And I said, well, nonsense, guys. Give me the three worst players I can find and I'll take my chances. (laughs) But in all seriousness, how is it that you still find a joy in the people around you and particularly in other bridge players when your skill level is just so beyond? Well, Unfortunately, that's not always the case. But the point is that it's a competitive challenge, and I just, I like to compete. Because one thing about competition is that the uh, outcome is fairly clear-cut. You either win or you lose, and you uh, try to win. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you were playing bridge? Okay, so... I'll give you two examples. Playing a tournament in Coronado, and I'm playing with Eddie Camper. So uh, I had gone out for a dinner in violation of most of my principles, and I'm back at the table. Now I'd eaten something at the dinner that didn't quite sit for me well, and maybe I had a little bit of the flu. So Cantor lays down dummy, and at that moment, the ailment gets the best of me, and I throw up on the table. <laughs> and he said, I didn't think Demi was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of amusing. <laughs> there was one time I was playing with Bobby Wolf. We're playing the last session on a Sunday night of the board of match team in Atlanta. And uh had a few kibitzers. So to sort of irritate the kibitzers, I would pick up my hand, I'd look at it, and I'd put it in my pocket. And then I'd bid. Okay. So at one point, Wolf's declarer. So there was a football game going on in the bar, and I left the table with my hand in my pocket. Oh, dear. <laughs> so they're wiggling around for dummy. And finally, somebody says, well, Hammond's probably got it. They ran out to the bar and said, do you have that missing hand? Oh, my God. <laughs> I produced a hand. I don't remember whether we lost the board or not. I don't believe we got penalized for... There is a section in the rule book saying penalty for having hand in pocket. <laughs> is there something that people would be surprised to know about you? Probably, but I may not be prepared to discuss it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that's very intriguing. I read in the Bridge Bulletin the article from a couple years ago by Norman Beck, and there was something that really stuck with me, which was he said, well, how, how will you know what if it's suit preference or its attitude or its count and you just said don't worry i'll know 
I loved that answer. And I have no doubt that, that, it, that it was absolutely true. But how could you be so sure that you would know what it was that Norman would be asking you? I guess, I mean. Okay, so <laughs> uh, the first question is, what information does he think I need? So you start from that. The other possibility is I was simply trying to shut him up and get on to the <laughs> next thing. I have two plaques over my desk. One of them says, I'll be nicer if you'll be smarter. <laughs> the other says, being good at stupid doesn't count. <laughs> Do you have a favorite conventional gadget that you like to play? Okay. I'd say the, the most important thing is to know what you're playing, whatever that is. And second, if I'm talking about conventions, some defensive conventions are very useful. Whammy, take out doubles. Certainly, a statement is a very useful convention and it's adjuncts. Transfer bits are very useful conventions. What about for you, though, personally, if you just had to pull one out of a hat and say, this is my favorite, which would it be? I don't have a favorite, really. I think some with the, the style of play I use, I think Flannery is very useful. Two diamonds showing four spades and five hearts and a limited hand. And uh, there are various adjuncts that are useful, but be careful what you're giving up. And is there a particular one that you don't like? Well, there are lots of them I don't like. <laughs> the one I really don't like is multi. Do you mean multi-twos or do you mean multi-landy? Multi-twos. Why? Because it's, there are many variations of it and many variations of responding to it. And the problem is there's some notion that you can properly prepare for a ream of conventions that the opponents may be playing. And if something requires a prepared defense, I would say it probably shouldn't be allowed. Simple as that. If the defense is fairly clear-cut and fairly easy and intuitive, then have at it. So that's the criteria. The idea is that I believe the game should be a game of logic, not a game of language. I've noticed a lot of the experienced players, because they're so used to playing at such a high level, almost get a little bored and they seem to enjoy playing some complicated conventions just to mix things up a bit. It's not so much mixing it up. It's usually just refining the process and trying to do better. Of course, the problem is remembering what the latest agreement was. I mean, there are only so many times you can play a 2-2 fit at the sixth level. What is the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given? The best bridge advice is think about the problem in front of you and work on that problem. Don't worry on what you could have done earlier in the session or yesterday. Or if you're playing bridge, unless the building's on fire, other problems can usually be attended to after the session is over. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, that's a wonderful note to end on. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for putting up with me for close to an hour. Oh, no, it's been marvelous. Oh, we loved it. Thanks so much. It was terrific. Goodbye. Thanks for listening and good luck. And that's the show. Many thanks to Bob Hammond. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. These links and a link to our merch store are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Bob says, think about the problem in front of you and work on that. Everything else can wait. (laughs) Thank you, partner. Thank you, partner. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 